Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. I am so excited to bring you this week's interview with Joni Nash, the Executive Director of the Pahuska, Oklahoma Chamber of Commerce. Pahuska just happens to be the home of Reed Drummond, also known as the Pioneer Woman, and Joni has been right in the action as this small town has been revived literally overnight. She's sharing about what the Pioneer Woman Mercantile has done for this small town, along with the unexpected series of events that led Joni to moving here. She also has some amazing advice for anyone thinking about making the move to rural America. You're going to love this one. So here we go with Joni Nash. Well, we're here today in Pahuska, Oklahoma with Joni Nash. She is the executive director of the Pahuska Chamber of Commerce. This is probably most famously known as home of the pioneer woman, Reed Drummond. (laughs) Thanks for being on the podcast today, Joni. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being in Pahuska. Yeah, I love it. It's been such a fun day. Well, you live in Oklahoma now, but you were actually born and raised in Georgia. So tell us about growing up in Georgia, what that was like for you. Okay. Well, I have been in Oklahoma for 16, 17 years now. I still get asked where I'm from, and they're not asking me like in conversation. They want to know why I talk funny. Well, that's why. <laughs> and a lot of my accent has gone. But but yes, growing up in a, um, outside of Atlanta, I watched Atlanta explode in my lifetime. And I... Um, was reared on a farm there, just like I said, on the outside of the metro area, and just watched it explode. So, um, was have always been really uh, drawn to the rural area. I saw that diminishing where I lived, and when it came time to go to college, I really felt like that was my opportunity and time that I needed to step out and see um, if I could make life happen outside of Monroe, Georgia, and. Let's see how, how things go in Oklahoma. And I guess it was the road less traveled in a lot of ways, but I never looked back and I've been very blessed to be able to get back and forth to my family and then be here and um, no regrets. That's great. So 16, 17 years later, here we are. I love it. So back in your Georgia days, you were actually crowned Miss Rodeo Georgia. I was. It feels like another lifetime, but <laughs> it was in the middle of my college days um, as a, I guess, a sophomore. Um, and it, the way the Miss Rodeo State title goes uh, is for the PRCA, which is the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association. So it's pretty demanding. You're, um, that, you have that title for a year. Uh, you spend a lot of the year traveling. And you get invited to the larger rodeos, um, even out of, out of the country. Like a lot of the girls get to go to Calgary in Canada. Uh, and then at the end of the year, you'll compete at Las Vegas at the finals for Miss Rodeo America. So being able to take a year off school and travel and to see uh, America and or the United States and just be able to have to establish yourself in a new town and a new place every week for a 20-year-old girl, it was a really good education. So maybe that's how I got to Oklahoma. I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, after that, or maybe during that time, you went to auctioneering school. I did. Well, I, when I transferred to Oklahoma State, I had enough money to pay for the first year of college. And 
Uh, financially, it wasn't the smartest move, um, which I knew that going into it, uh, to leave a scholarship in at Georgia to start at the University of Georgia. Really felt drawn to the state of Oklahoma, and specifically Oklahoma State. Did not know even the mascot at the time. They didn't have a national football program. <laughs> so <laughs> that was before T. Moon Pickens came okay. in and, and put his touch on things. But um, had enough money to pay for that, so got creative and decided I would go to auctioneer school that summer. And I went to Montana for auctioneer school. Didn't know I'd actually do that as a trade, but came back and doors were open for me to be able to do that on the weekends. So I had regular college jobs during the week, and and to this day I still um, do that as a supplemental income. I travel on the weekends to different states. I have a couple companies that I work for, um, but it was able uh, that trade allowed me to graduate debt free from college and then go back and get a second degree. So I always encourage young people to think outside the box. I was a young girl, and when I think of an auctioneer, it's an older gentleman, you know, not uh-huh. the demographic doesn't match up, but um, I didn't listen to that. And so I would encourage anybody that's listening that if you have a crazy idea, it doesn't matter. Just do it and see what happens. So that's what happened with me. So and it's been a good trade. Yeah. And and I, I specialize now. I've done heavy equipment, all of those things that you think of in the auction business, but what I've specialized now is the event side of it. So I work for a lot of nonprofits. And in fact, the companies that I work for, they specialize in nonprofits. So um, there's, I've yet in the you know 15 years that I've been doing this, 12, 13, 14 years, I've been doing this. Um, I've yet to do uh, work with an organization that I didn't believe in their cause and their mission. But me personally, I'm not able to write a big check for them, but because I've been able to hone in on a skill and, and work hard towards it, I can help them get to their bottom line and get raise that money that night. So you feel good, you know, you feel real good leaving there that knowing that you've helped an organization be able to maximize potential for one night and operate the rest of the year. So yeah, very fun. Well, at some point in this Oklahoma journey, you got to Pahuska. So tell us a little bit about that. Is that something you ever dreamed of? Absolutely not. <laughs> ever, never. In fact, it's funny. I knew of Pahuska just because I've always taken an interest, or since being out here in Oklahoma, I've taken an interest in, in the towns and just want to be acclimated to the state. So I knew of Pahuska. I knew some of the events that they had here. I was hired to come up. Um, we have Cavalcade, and actually this is the week of Cavalcade. It's been, uh, it's the world's largest amateur rodeo, 72 years running. It's a huge time for this town, and economically speaking, you know, our sales tax, this is our bread and butter week. Uh, prior to the mercantile opening up, we lived for Cavalcade, um, and still do. It's Generations have been coming, and we'll have 1,600 contestants for the week, concerts every night. It's just a big um, boom for us uh, with sales tax, but just even the, the community comes alive in a lot of ways. So I was hired to come up and judge the pageant that coincides with the rodeo for the year or for the week. Uh, did that for two years in a row. Uh, really learned the town, thought you know, you're here and you're just with the locals and uh, had a really good time and a great experience. And then uh, after that, uh, about six months after my second trip up here, I got a phone call from uh, the chairman of Cavalcade, but also he doubled for the chamber board president. And at, you know, remember who I am, this and that. And I knew who he was, but uh, he introduced, re- introduced himself to me and said, you know, you had taken an interest in our town. 
we have a position available as the Chamber of Commerce Director. Uh, would you be interested? And I, I think I laughed. I didn't mean to laugh. I think it was just more of a shock because I'm, you know, I was in my early 30s and I'm a single girl and I have made a little nest right outside Oklahoma City and I've gotten my house just how I liked it and I acquired a little bit of a land and, you know, I was just right where I wanted to be. And uh, then he's asking me to move three, three hours north to a town of 3,500 landlocked by you know, 30, 40 miles, uh, ranching community, not where you would send a single girl that doesn't like cats or like to knit. And I think that's what I said to him is, no, I can't do that. I can't move to a town that small and that's the end of the road for me. And, um, but they, they, for some reason, just uh, really had a lot of faith in me and stayed on me pretty hard and eventually interviewed and went through that process. And, um, got to a place where I felt like I needed to step out in faith and come. I'd never been more recruited for a position in my life, and I, none of it made sense, absolutely not. But um, I came and was well-received. Uh, my friends, I remember them asking me, why are you moving to this rural town? What is there? And I did not have an answer other than, I'm not real sure, but I feel like I have an assignment here, and I'm going to work to the best of my ability and let the chips fall. Um, and this was prior to the huge boom of uh, the mercantile opening up. This, yeah, I can't even tell you the contrast. I, I try to explain it to people, and I just I think I fall short because when we talk about what the town looked like when I moved up here in March of 2015, as opposed to now, you know, three years later, uh, I, I like as I told you earlier, I have no frame of reference to understand what's happened here. I, I cannot. I've seen the growth in Atlanta. I've seen um, towns come back to life or, or grow a little bit or, or urban sprawl, but I've not seen the magic of what can happen when just all the ingredients come together and people come together with a, not to sound trite, but people come together with such a vision, um, you know, and there's a catalyst involved and it's, it's been phenomenal to watch and I feel completely honored to get to be a part of it from, from the very beginning, knowing where, where we've come and how much farther we're still going. We're, you know, we're still going. The momentum's there. But it's, I would have never seen this coming, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So this town actually has quite a bit of history that I think a lot of people don't know about. I know I didn't. So share a little bit about that. It's fascinating. Well, you've hit the nail on the head. And for a long time, before even the Merck opened up, I joked about, you know, every town has a tagline or as far as tourism goes and a slogan or whatever. And I wanted to change ours, jokingly speaking, but I wanted to change ours too. I had no idea, you know, because that was, if I heard that once, I heard it a thousand times. And it was, (laughs) they would come here and they would look around and they would see the infrastructure of this tiny town in the middle of nowhere and we'd have five and six story buildings in our downtown and just ornate brick buildings. Um, and they, I had no idea. And these are people that have, you know, been grown up in Oklahoma and to come here for the first time, I heard that over and over. So you wonder, you see these town, you see these buildings and you're like this, something happened here. How did this town come and, and be as old of as it is? Where, what was the, the history here? Well, in the twenties, first of all, the Osage nation is headquartered here. And they moved here from Missouri um, in the early, early, well, late 1800s. So they they settled here. They felt like something was special here. And uh, they weren't real sure what that was, but they felt it strong enough that this is where they, they settled. They purchased land from Cherokees. This is where they, they called home. Uh, shortly after that, they discovered oil. And... Um, 
that that's where it kind of all started. You know, uh, the oil boom happened here. They the Osage in the twenties became the richest people in the world. All of your oil men coming in, your Rockefellers, your uh, Phillips, everyone was was coming here and doing business. Um, I I love to tell facts like Tiffany's in New York. The Osage was Tiffany's best customer. Uh, in fact, this is a fun fact. Henry Ford, okay, so the Model T Fords, yeah. uh, the nation, the, the Osage people were able to, money was, was no object for them, and they were able to buy vehicles. And, you know, we, I showed you where um, all the different dealerships or the, the different make of cars were, that were out there in those yeah. 20s had, had representation here. And the first Rolls-Royce dealership west of Mississippi was here in Pawhuska. Um, they like color. Those Asian people, they love color. And so they wrote a letter to Henry Ford and told him that they wanted colored cars. They didn't want black cars anymore. And therefore, we have colors. Cars. All started here. All started here. The, um, wow. But one of the things that happened, you know, with money and the love of money, sometimes um, corruption will follow. And unfortunately, we had a, a time in our history here. It was known as the Reign of Terror. Uh, the Osage people were taken advantage of, and they were so assigned uh, guardianship. The white man was assigned guardianship over the Osage people with their money, and that's where the corruption came. And then the murders started happening because the white men were marrying the Osage women and then murdering them for their head rights, which would gave them access you know, to the oil money. Uh, a lot of that, it just became an epidemic to the point of uh, the, the feds sent agents here to Pahuska to do research or to investigate, and that became known as the FBI. So the FBI was born here. And this may sound familiar to a lot of you because there's a book out right now called Killers of the Flower Moon. And it's funny, I've got friends all over the country that have texted me or messaged me and it's like, hey, there's this book that I'm reading that's talking about your town, you know, because it has, <laughs> it's been on the best, New York's bestseller list for, for a while um, since it's been out. And uh, now there's a movie, the, the movie rights have been sold, um, Martin Sorcy. And um, Leonardo DiCaprio have the movie rights on that. And so we look for a movie to be coming out in the future. So that's a book that tells a lot about the history here um, and just kind of where, what happened here. You know, it's, it's not it's not a thing that anyone's proud of, but it happened. And just building from that, you know, and healing from that. Um, but there, so there is a lot of history that's here. And so the, the, the buildings that arose in that time you know, there was just a lot of commerce going on in this little town. So unbelievable. So now it's sort of happening again. It is, but in, in, a, a, much more in a much more light. positive light. <laughs> uh, and that's what's neat. So you hear these people, they come in and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Um, and now these buildings that have been here forever that some people have been like, let's tear them down. You know, um, They've been preserved. Uh, we've lost some, you know, because we have right at 80-something buildings that are on the um, National Registry of Historic Places in Washington, D.C. So we've lost a few, but we still have over 80 in our downtown. And that's just added to the, the um, landscape, you know, yeah. to see these buildings come alive again. It's exciting. Absolutely. So with all of this, has the majority of change that you've seen been tourism related or have you seen it, have you seen it go beyond that with like people moving to town, things like that? Yes. Tourism. Okay. That's one thing I noticed when I came here and they told me that when I moved here, they said, you're going to be really surprised at the tourism draw that's here. And I thought, well, that's sweet. 
There's nobody here. Like, what do you mean? And then I would start meeting people. And back then, you would pass somebody on the street. You didn't recognize them. So I would stop and be like, hey, I'm Joni. How are you? What brings you to town? And, and of course, that's all changed because you don't know anybody walking down the street anymore. They're all tourists. And we love it. We love them. But I still meet people every day, you know, that's not from here. But but the days of not recognizing someone and wondering why they're here has passed. But in meeting those people originally, they'd say, oh, we wanted to come to the Tallgrass Prairie or Preserve, which is just north of here. Um, or they'd be like, we don't know how we got here, but this is really cool. You know, and they'd uh-huh. be from Germany or just random. So it's uh, random places. And I'm like, just blown away that they found us. So they were correct. And I was surprised of the tourism draw that we had here. Now, um, with the Pioneer Woman opening up her business and then the businesses that she's opened up since, that has, and it was overnight. I mean, we had tens of thousands pouring in. Uh, the first spring break, we had two in 2006. 17 for spring break we had two weeks where um it was out of state spring break and then in state and we had 60,000 and 70,000 so 130,000 people going through the mercantile within two week time so to explain that to people outside of people that are familiar with Pasco or the the pioneer woman um specifically they think I'm making stuff up but unless you come and see it like nobody was in Daytona that year they were all here for spring break or wherever you go for spring break they were all in Pasca but it has tourism has definitely um boomed here and with that has brought um other small businesses that we've kind of grown backwards you know a lot of times uh, Towns will grow because of industry, uh, manufacturing, or just major industries that come in. Retail's the last thing to come. So for us, it's been a flip-flop, which is so interesting and fun to watch, but it's been a flip-flop of these. Our retail, our downtown has revitalized first, and now we're seeing uh, people coming in and buying up these old houses and and refurbishing them and opening the Airbnbs. And uh, now you see young people that, have like grew up here they're coming home and to have jobs for them it's it's life-changing you know and you look at the families and the parents and the grandparents that are just so excited that their kids have jobs to come home to so I've gotten to watch that happen it's it's pretty cool and if it can happen here it can happen anywhere you know every there's so many towns that have the same ingredients they may not have a pioneer woman mercantile but they have an an exquisite downtown um, they have cause like trades that they could actually do in their downtown and uh, you just kind of got to be creative yeah you know? we're all about that mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's so neat to be walking the streets and it's just full of life it's really special and just know that it hasn't always been that way yeah yeah and you got to see it all happen so obviously this has brought a lot of positive change to Pahuska. Has it also brought some challenges? Um, absolutely. Um, anytime there's growth, there's growing pains. Yes. Um, transition. Uh, transition brings uncertainties, which can bring fear and um, back to uncertainties. I remember before the Mercantile opened, there was a lot of people who said, what are we going to do about parking? What are we doing about infrastructure and water? And I guess I'm an internal optimist. I'm not naive to the fact that, yes, those are challenges we need to look at. But I'm also, um, I guess, an optimist because I thought, you know, these things are going, they're going to be okay. Like, these are all good problems that people are wanting to worry about and, and fret about. These are great problems to have. And I'll tell you one thing that happened. Um, I wish I could take credit for it, but 
I, I, I didn't set out to do this. And then when it happened, I called down to Johnson County Chamber of Commerce, which is um, Tishomingo. And if you know Tishomingo, Tishomingo was a town that's very parallel to Pahuska, rural, um, not near an interstate. They had Miranda Lambert, who opened up the Pink Pistol. And so I uh, was called down there to speak to the chamber just from that perspective of how they handled some things and just looking to just somebody that kind of walked through what we were about to walk through. The lady that answered the phone was Stacy Addison. She didn't know her. I didn't know her at the time, but told her who I was and what I was wanting to find out. Well, it was awesome because she told me that she was the manager of the Pink Pistol and she opened up the Pink Pistol and the Ladysmith, which was the bed and breakfast across the street. And I was, I immediately started taking notes as fast as she was talking. And we were able to bring her up and meet with Reed Drummond and her team and sit down. And we were able to talk through things that we hadn't even thought of, you know, that they, that they had to, to decipher and to, to um, walk through with the opening of the Pink Pistol. And she was a great resource for us. In fact, we held, I called it a family meeting, but it was basically a town <laughs> hall. And we, it was right before the mercantile opened, we brought Stacy up. And she was able to say things I would have been hung for, you know, um, telling, like she was able to, and we, we filled that place. There was over 100 people there. And, you know, the naysayers, the people that were on board, everybody. Because, you know, a town is like a family. Yeah. Um, you don't get to pick who your family is, and you got to <laughs> love them anyway. So in a small community, you don't get to choose who you do life with, but you get to love them anyway. Yes. Um, so we had everybody there, and everybody left there with a smile on their face. And what was neat for me that night was just to hear, I mean, there wasn't anything that wasn't talked about. Like Stacy was able to say, don't be jealous because um, there's going to be a lot of success from her business, and you, everyone in this business or in this room is going to benefit from that, so you be her cheerleader. And she, I mean, like I said, she just spoke very plain to this group, and uh, it was things we all needed to hear. So um, so that was great, and then Reed was able to speak and share her vision and um, her heart, and it was just really neat. And then after that, they surprised the community with tickets to the soft opening where they fed the whole community for the whole weekend. So... Wow. Um, yeah, it was, they're very benevolent people and they do a lot for this community. And that was the night that when I watched people walk out that night, they were all excited about what was coming and happy and um, a smile on their face. And it just, uh, I don't know, it, it was such, it really blessed me. And I've thanked Stacey. I still this day when I run into her, I'm like, thank you, you know, for all that <laughs> she did. And um, but that was one thing she said. She said, don't worry about parking. We had three parking spots. I mean, I don't remember the number she said, but uh -huh. it was something. We were in a lot better shape than Tishomingo starting out, and they handled it beautifully. And now they're back again with um, Blake Shelton with his business there. So, Wow. Well, it's been neat to see and just walk the streets and experience what it's like because the Drummond family has given a lot to this town and helped build this. And I know that's something near and dear to your heart as well, like giving back and Talk a little bit about that. Why is that important to you and to this community, really? Mm -hmm. Well, specifically speaking about the Drummonds, they they have. I mean, they could have put their businesses anywhere, and they chose to invest in their hometown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a risk. You know, people think their risk was minimal. Absolutely not. You know, that to do what they did, it took a huge investment, a huge step of faith. Uh, and they've, they've, they're watching the success, but I, but I know there were – times they questioned it so um, their heart and their vision was in the right place and that paid back and I, I believe that personally you know if you know if you want to receive you give you know you don't give in the in the in the heart of wanting to receive but that's just the law of the harvest you know you can't you can't sow something and not 
reap something. So when you give, whether it's your time, your resources, um, whatever it is, you, um, you will, you will pay back, you get paid back. And even just speaking in terms of what we're talking about today, you know, coming up here for a position that in a lot of ways looked like I was moving backwards. I was moving from, um, a job just right outside the city and being able to access the city and have any kind of food that I wanted. (laughs) That's the one thing I was like, Oh, when am I ever going to get sushi again? You know, or whatever, (laughs) or coffee, really good coffee. Um, you know, you, you think you're moving backwards, but um, but I'm thankful that I had the 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 gumption or the audacity to to step out and to 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 invest in this community because this community has invested in me and they have received me and loved me and um, I keep trying to love them more, but they're just you know small communities are made of really good people yeah. and people that love and care for each other because they've done life together for generations, and so uh, yeah, give. Give and it will be given back to you. Yes, and now you have amazing coffee. Oh, don't you know? (laughs) I remember that one of my early conversations with Lad in regards to mercantile. I said, "Can we please just have coffee?" And this was before the business plan had been revealed as far as what they were going to do. And he's like, "Well, there's McDonald's," and I I said, "Don't play." You know, I said, (laughs) "I mean, I mean, I want some fancy coffee." You know, and so now we have. My sisters make me ship their coffee to um, Georgia. And I'm like, there's a coffee club you can sign up. You don't need me to do this, but, <laughs> but I do. So, uh, yeah, their coffee is so good. And, uh, of course, you got to have some of that today. It was amazing. And yeah, and yeah. used to, you couldn't have coffee like that in this town. So uh-huh. we've come a long way. We I highly recommend the cowgirl coffee. Mm-hmm. We had the cowboy coffee. But, oh, cowboy but coffee. But the okay. cowgirl is um, the, the cold one. We'll have to get maybe this afternoon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Really <laughs> highly recommended. Great. Well, talk a little bit, um, why is the future of rural America important, and why is that important to you? Well, my personal belief is that it's the backbone. I mean, the backbone of our country. It's where we started, you know, in so many ways. And um, rural America, you look at the agriculture aspect of it, we feed urban America, mm-hmm. you know, and food is fundamental. Yeah. So for that reason alone, but there's so many more you know, and just with, with rural America, I've watched, I noticed this in my early 20s, and I'm 37. I watched this in my early 20s. I noticed, I don't know if that's when it started or that's just when it occurred to me. There's so many young people that are moving out of the cities, going back to their homes, their hometowns. And I've, I guess I've just noticed it here in Oklahoma. I have a, a friend of mine who... Um, we actually met when we lived in Oklahoma City, but her husband does a lot of producing, like of music, and um, he's a musician himself. She does; she's a uh, beautician, and they bought the old firehouse in City Hall. It was one building there in downtown, and they've made his recording studio out of it. And then she has her um, her salon. Hair. <laughs> I need more coffee. I need more coffee. (laughs) Cowboy coffee. But yeah, she has her salon and then they live upstairs and it's like a loft apartment. It is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, And that's the kind of stuff. I mean, that's just one example I could name more um, of what I've noticed just here in Oklahoma of people doing young people in their in their 20s and 30s moving back home. Of course, I witnessed it here in Pascoe. I have several examples, but that's one thing I've noticed. And, you know, rural America, like I said, it's dear to my heart. It's where I've chosen to be. Um, and, and I've been questioned by people that, that, that don't have the heart for rural America of like, why, you know, and it's one of those things I don't think, 
I don't think you can explain to people. I think they have to, it has to be an intrinsic thing that they just get, uh-huh. you know, and if you spend time in rural America, enough time that you can kind of de- decompress and not, you're not waiting for cars to go by to be able to fall asleep, the sound of cars, you mm-hmm. know, and you will get it. Yeah. It's kind of contagious once you immerse yourself in it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it when I hear people come in from, like specifically speaking, come to Pahuska and they, they've been here a couple of days and they're like, I don't want to leave. I'm like, yeah. absolutely. And they go to the tall grass prairie and they see the bison and just all the wildlife and the sounds or the lack of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to leave, you know? So there's just something about rural America. It's pretty special. I concur. So what advice would you have for someone making a decision or facing a decision like you made to come to a small town? What would you say to them? Well, if that's where, if, if you feel led, if you feel like that's in your heart to do, um, but there's a lot of inhibitions that may creep up, uh, one being, what am I going to do for a job? Um, how am I going to provide for my family? Now, obviously we need to make smart choices and, and God gives us wisdom and knowledge and we do the best with what we can with that. But if you, I, I had a mentor and he's since passed, but um, he shared with me, he said, Joni, if you ever take a job for the money, you will never be happy in that job. Um, money will never be the deciding factor of, of why you take a job. It should never be the deciding factor of why you take a job or why. So I've taken that to heart. I know it's given my parents heart attack over the years because I've walked away from six-figure jobs to um, to teach special education or to um, – to come and, and be an economic development director and chamber of commerce you know, director. So, um, but I can guarantee you, um, I've been provided for, you know, I've not missed a meal. I've been able to, sometimes, you know, you do have to live humbly at times or, you know, under your means, I would recommend that by any place, wherever you are, live below your means. Um, but if there's a dream and a vision in your heart, um, it may come down to a timing thing. Um, it may, um, like I said, be a timing thing, but at the same time, no one has ever done anything great that hasn't had to take a leap of faith and step out. And one thing that brought me a lot of comfort when I left Georgia is to know that that road went both ways. So I could come out here and give it my best shot. And if I fall flat on my face, that road goes back. I can, I can go back, you know, and I can go back to that job or what you know there's mm-hmm. there's 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 jobs you know and uh, you work hard and those jobs are going to find you yeah. and you you go to rural America if that's where your heart's leading and you roll up your sleeves and you do you work hard and you make it work and even in this position it has not you know I know people think I have the coolest job in the world and most days I do but there doesn't mean that it has not come with a price and it has not been hard um but again you sow you will reap so I would just encourage anyone that's listening that's that's got something in their heart, um, don't let money be the reason you you hold back. Don't be stupid, but like, use your brain. <laughs> yeah. But just yeah. So how have you? I mean, obviously the town has changed immensely over the last couple of years since mm-hmm. you moved here. But how have you personally seen your job shift? Oh my word. Okay. Well, when I came up here um, with my job, I kept a couple contract jobs on the side, thinking, and they, my board told me they encouraged that, like you can do both. You'll have time. It wasn't six months in to where I thought, 
you know what, I cannot do both. I need to focus wholeheartedly on this. So um, zoned in on that, worked hard. Um, but still, every day or every week, I'd be back in Oklahoma City and find someone that had never heard of Pahuska. And so just trying to explain, you know, my job is tourism and, and explaining that. But going from that of people not knowing of Pahuska, never heard of Pahuska, to literally overnight, October 31st, 2016, uh, that overnight to now, it is absolutely, doesn't even phase me if if I get a call in my office and it's the Associated Press or People Magazine or Southern Living or a news channel or you know, anything, and they, they have some questions or they want to know an update. And and used to, initially, I remember the first time Reba, um, our, my office manager, she said, Joni, Associated Press is on the phone for you. And in my mind, I thought, I think Associated Press, I think of football rankings. And I thought, I don't know what about football rankings. Why are they calling me about football <laughs> rankings? And then I, had, I, I didn't even speak that because that sounded so silly. But, I mean, like it went through my head that fast. And then I was like, oh, they don't want to know about football. They want to know about <laughs> The mercantile, you know. <laughs> so, but that's when you think of a people, you know. So, just the just the overnight, literally overnight transition of knowing knowing where this town is to all of a sudden everyone wanting to be here and every media platform focusing on here. It just, it's, it's, yeah. That I can't understand it, but it's fun, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah. Do you find that? I mean, I think. It's funny how life works out and some of our previous experiences that were like, how is this ever going to matter in my life? They kind of come full circle. And oh then you find yourself gosh. in a position like this and you're like, oh. That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I I can think of a thousand examples in my life, but something that came to my mind earlier when we were talking, you know, Lad Drummond, Ree's husband, his major in college, he majored in hotel and restaurant management um, as a rancher. So... I'm sure that I'm I haven't asked him about it but I'm sure that's something he was questioned about what why do you want to do that and then now you know you look so I'm just using him as an example because that's someone that everyone knows but um, even in my own life yes so with that what do what's in front of you and do it to the best of your ability and be a good steward of that because um, you just never know and just don't discount the smallest things I always tell people and I live by this do not despise small beginnings. Mm -hmm. Do not do not feel like you have to step out and you have to know how this the big picture and what it looks like and how to get there. You do one step at a time and that's all you're responsible for. And don't despise small beginnings. Cuz you never know. You just <laughs> never know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Joni. This has been awesome. Thanks. This has been so fun. Yeah, what a fun day. You just have given, like, rolled out the red carpet for me, so oh, thank okay. you. Well, good. Well, like I said, we love having you in Pahuska, and I would just welcome anyone that's listening to come and stop by the chamber. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, I love Joni's story, and she is such a life-giving presence wherever she goes, and that really shines through on this interview. I also love hearing about the generosity of the Drummond family and their investment into the community of Pahuska, and also the fascinating history that that place holds. Wow. Pahuska is constantly changing as it continues to grow and expand as a hot tourist destination. And with the Christmas rush now over, it's the perfect time to visit 
Pawhuska has so much to offer, and if you make it to town in early spring, you can even check out the bison having their calves on the Tallgrass Prairie Preserve. The latest business to open, and there are new businesses opening all the time there, which is so exciting, is the Frontier Hotel, located in the historic Triangle Building. So that could be a perfect place to stay while you're in town. Well, thanks again to Joni Nash for being on the podcast. And thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.